Hey out there in mommy land, this is Mom Unfiltered. I am your host, Jacqueline. Today, we get to chat with a true trailblazer. At the age of 16, Stacy Marioa decided that the culture she had grew up in and loved deeply was sorely misrepresented, and she co-authored a publication of its rich history. She became a mom at a young age and pushed through life and its obstacles to obtain her law degree and a degree in history. Her passion for exposing the truth and her gift of oration has given her a seat as a speaker coach for TEDx Taranga. Her heart for her family and the Mari people's rich oral history has given her a drive like no other. Please like, share, and leave a review on Apple Podcast. And now it's time for our program. As a rule, I try not to edit the mom unfiltered interviews. It, I want it raw and unfiltered, so I don't edit the interviews. But as you hear, um, Stacy's in New Zealand and I'm here in the United States. And so there was a time during our interview that the audio got lost on our end or on her end it was just back and forth in some moments in our conversation. So a little bit of it got lost and then we had to do a lot of start and stop. So I did edit those pieces out where we're like, hey, are you there? Hey, are you there? Let's start this over kind of thing. But you should get the gist of the conversation and um, I hope you enjoy our conversation. Um, I really enjoyed Stacy. Again, I love you all and thank you for your support. And now here's Stacy. Hi, Stacy. Can you hear me? I sure can. Yay. I can hear you. You can hear me. Woohoo. Wonderful. <laughs> I think I had to open up my mic. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But we made it. We did. We did. So I wanted to let everyone know that we are 20 hours away from each other. No, you've dropped away again. Oh, no. This is awful. (laughs) Oh, there you are. I wonder if I'm going to go in and out through the hole thing i've got you clear loud and clear okay so we're 20 hours away and let everybody know where you are i'm in aotearoa new zealand at the bottom of the southern hemisphere or top of the world depending on which view you look at it right that is absolutely amazing stacy and i met on the phenomenal life cruise last year We are both um, followers of Eric Thomas. 
He is the number one motivational speaker in the world. And um, we met and had dinner and it was an amazing dinner. And we have been in contact ever since. Absolutely. So, um, Stacey, we're just going to get started with how long have you been a mother? I have been a mum for 14 years. I have a big boy. Jimmy and I have a big boy who turned 14 in January. So 14 years of being a mum. Proud mum at that. And you have three, not yet, two beautiful children and one on the way. I surely do. So I had Liam when I was a very young mum. And so we had our big boy Liam um, back then when I was 18. And we now have Liam and a baby girl called Brooklyn May, who just turned three in March. Oh, and she is a bundle of energy. She is so cute. I can't stand it. She is amazing. <laughs> and, and as we talk, I am carrying our third baby, a baby boy, who is due next month in May. Oh, that's exciting. I'm so excited for you. So how did you feel when you were 18 years old and you you had a you, you were pregnant how did how did that feel for you being a teenager yeah great question a number of things went through my head so that, for one thing the way i found out uh, and the timing of when i found out was quite unusual in that i had come down with a bit of a flu and I went to the doctor. I was then studying towards two bachelor's degrees, one in law and one in history. And the university campus had a doctor that you could get as part of being a student. Uh, and so you had access to this doctor. So I went along to get a follow-up because my cold wasn't getting any better. And in routine tests, the doctor went through some tests and he said, look, do you know what this means? And one of those was a urine test. And I said, no, I don't. And he said, this means you're pregnant. So that was my first real uh, eye-opening experience to what this new thing that's happening to me. And then Jimmy was waiting in the waiting room and I walked out to tell him and said, hey, let's go for a walk. I've got some news and then told him the news, and we digested that together very quickly. <laughs> and, and as it turned out, I was actually so I was presented with a number of pamphlets from the doctor, and they, you know, they said this might be some quick news to digest. You came in here to get some support for your flu, and actually, it's come out uh, with this diagnosis, so that might take you a little while to digest here are some pamphlets and the pamphlets were about options for after you find out that you're having a baby Mm -hmm. so I had mixed emotions but overall I was I was still happy where we were brought up around a lot of children our families I'm a Maori which is an indigenous people of New Zealand and we're brought up in communities and villages with lots of family members and young children who we support together so I wasn't shocked to you know at the thought of having to look after this new baby I just wasn't really sure on how to do it and be responsible for for this new baby 
And so anyway, we digested that and we had no idea of how far along or anything like that. But both Jimmy and I agreed that it was wonderful. It was a blessing and that we would, you know, pursue to have this baby. And then it turned out I was about 16 weeks pregnant when we actually found out so soon after we got a dating scan and we were further along than both of us ever thought. Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds really nice because I know teenage girls in the United States get a um, pregnancy test and find out that they're pregnant as a teen, 18 and in college. And, you know, they sometimes they make a hard decision to abort because they, you know, thinking they think about their career and they think about what their family would think. But Mm -hmm. for you, it was different because you said, you know, our village, you know, we all take care of each other. So, you know, having a baby won't miss me skipping a beat in my studies. That's right. I'll just, you know, have a baby and, you know, like we do as always, you know, the village raises the child. So that's mm-hmm. awesome. So you spoke about, um, you're from the Maori people mm-hmm. and what was your spiritual beliefs, um, growing up and how does that play a part in you raising your children now? Oh, wow. Great question. So in Maori culture, it's a culture, it's a way of life, and it is an applied way of living in that it's very spiritual. It's very energy and spiritually based, but it has applied learning, and we call that tikanga. So there are certain rules or protocols that are taken out in order to regulate some of the things that you do, some of those things that are sacred and non-sacred and those things that just guide behavior through life. And in Maori culture, a really strong belief or a really strong principle is that of tanga. And what that means in English is really a, it's actually a multi-dimensional word that has a lot of complex meaning but at its essence it's about coming together as a collective as a family and supporting one another Mm. so we were brought up with that with that principle of everybody it, it literally takes a village to raise a person and all of those teachings help guide that one person in their life and that coupled with an an a direct spiritual alignment to Ngā or our gods mm-hmm. helps us transverse or helps us to traverse this path we call life. <laughs> wow. So that it's a is... very collective. It sounds really deep, but it actually it has a practical element of people coming together to share in both wisdom and knowledge and experience yes. to be able to help that person when they need it and it's sometimes you might need more support and other times less and it does have the flip side of you know varied opinions <laughs> so 
you were telling me that um, Christianity was brought in and how did that affect the Maori? Yeah, that's another great question. So the quick backstory to that is that New Zealand, Aotearoa New Zealand was colonised by the British and that means that people from as far as England came on their tours in, in an effort to colonise or conquer and rule the native people of New Zealand, including New Zealand. We weren't the only area, of course. And so when that happened, they brought with them a set of values and a set of beliefs and encouraged Māori, the Māori people to convert to that ideology and convert to that thinking and, and way of doing things. So we traditionally Māori believed in a number of guardians and um, we call them gods but they're atua, they're guardians of different realms of the spirit realm and that might include a god of the sea, a god of the water, a god of the forest, a god of plants, a god of food, cultivated and uncultivated foods and you would pay respect to each and every one of those if you were to say get fish from the ocean if you were to get plants, either as medicine uh, from the forest. And it brought about a different way of thinking of this one God for all or supreme God. And that's what Christianity brought to Aotearoa New Zealand, to the Māori people of New Zealand. And what's resulted since, long story short, it's more complex than this, but long story short, the Māori people have adopted to a large extent some willing and some unwilling, a blend of trying to live in a world where they can make sense of their world and adopt the best parts or the parts that make sense to them. And so what we see is a fusion of traditional Māori belief and collective beliefs and a almost umbrella umbrella over that to bring a new layer of depth so it's not that one's right or wrong but just a number of different ways that people have tried to internalize how they see the world and how they interact with God or or the God but they're not dissimilar which is quite an important point it is still a very strong spiritual connection it's just to whom (laughs) whom they're looking to Wow. So it's more so, relationship as opposed to a religious belief. Got it. Mm. Yeah, because relationship is what um, God is looking for in all of us anyway. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, in your house, you said you all pray because um, you're mate is presbyterian and was raised presbyterian and you were raised catholic yes yes so we did like like i said we didn't actually know as young you know young people coming through that that's what it was labeled as because what we got and maori have a very traditional oral culture so it's a spoken word culture so we didn't have books it was actually Europeans that brought us books and taught us to record our voice into books. And so all we were ever 
told as we sat around in our church and our way of having mass was we would sit in a big room all together as a family and each of us would go around and we would listen to the word. We would listen to the spoken word and that oral storytelling was passed down through generations. So for a long time, we didn't know that it was Catholic or it was Presbyterian or it was Christianity or Mormon or anything like that. And the layering of it, it wasn't until you got older that you realized, oh, some of those elements were the practice of the Christian church or the Presbyterian church or the Catholic church. Wow. Because all we really were focused on is, the, is opening up that that funnel to that spiritual connection. Wow, that's amazing. So how has children, having children, changed your life? Oh, if nothing else, it has changed my world completely. But if nothing else, it has really just plugged in that why for me, that meaning, that legacy. So again, Māori believe in an intergenerational way, whereas some people might think in their, in their lifetime what they can do in their lifetime. Māori believe in many more lifetimes, another six, seven generations ahead, in fact. So if we have a long-term view, typically, if a person typically has a long-term view of, say, 10 years, our view is an intergenerational one of succession planning to another 50 years at the very least. So to have children in my family and for myself personally is an absolute blessing because it means carrying on that lineage, that what we call whakapapa, so that ancestral connection through our children and having a succession line. So it means... It, it puts a why to everything I do personally and, yeah, <laughs> beyond words. <laughs> so you have an amazing um, way that you um, chart your lineage. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, sure. Again, it's really based on that oral, verbal, oral storytelling culture where we're able to trace our ancestors back, right back to the first voyages that came to New Zealand. And I can actually do that because we're such a blended culture now. We're such a blended society. We have been influenced by the Europeans, by the French, by Scandinavian people, by just all different races around the world and ethnicities around the world, that in Māori culture, the importance of knowing who you are and your why actually leads back to identity. And so we retrace our identity by way of reciting back who our ancestors are. And that's a really big passion of mine personally. And to great, 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 mother and grandfather oh wow and that's on all fronts on both the mother's side and the father's side so it actually becomes a big web of interconnectedness and that connection in our cultures is and our roots and how we find our grounding in the world and presents our identity and strengthens that 
Does that make sense? Yes, it makes a lot of sense. Do you, do you follow what I mean there? Yes. And you also have this tattooed on your body. Yes. Your lineage. Yes. So that was our way of recording. So that because we didn't have books to record, we used different other methods to record our understanding and to be able to recite those stories and that lineage through time. So, for mm -hmm. example, I have the direct connections to all of those generations on my leg, and that's my journey as I walk through life. And it actually also relates back to the natural physical environment, both of our Earth Mother and our Sky Father and the mountains and the seas around us and how that all connects. And that's what I was talking about that lineage is about connection to, connection to one another, connection to place and space, connection to the earth. And if we know we are that innately connected, then it would guide our behavior towards the things we did and did not do. Okay. Wow. <laughs> so um, as you look back as a mother, um, there's a saying that we have here in the in the United States and in in the Christian culture is a come to Jesus moment. So, which means is, um, what moment in your life had you just really had to stop and reassess um, your whole life as a mother? Wow. Oh. I can think of a couple, but what stands out to me most prevalently is a moment in my life about eight years ago, seven, eight years ago, when, so we talked about having mm -hmm. our big boy, Liam, who's 14, our baby girl, Brooklyn, who's three, and another one on the way due next month, but actually seven eight years ago we lost a baby and we so I carried a baby and I was in excruciating pain and after two days of excruciating pain was sent up to the hospital under high priority and I was actually put on morphine to the the, the highest strength of morphine that was possible in an effort to find out what was going on and I was actually carrying a baby and I had they, they labeled it eptopic pregnancy at the end of the day but it was in the highest one percent threshold of this symptom of this of this uh, number of symptoms that it didn't actually have a name, but in an effort to give it a name, that's what my medical records portrayed back to me. That's what they called it. And they apologized that it didn't quite have a name, but that's what it was called. So what happened was I was in excruciating pain. And after some time, I was actually living in Hamilton at the time, studying towards my master's in law. And I was writing a publication for a law journal as well. And it was November of that year and Jimmy rushed me up to the hospital and 
I had quickly undertaken to be rushed through the hospital. I was lying on a bed and they did some scans and found out that baby's heartbeat had stopped beating. And it also, not only had it stopped beating for some time, it had ruptured one of my fallopian tubes and was poisoning me. So my blood had been poisoning me for some time. So it meant I needed to be rushed into surgery one, to remove baby in my fallopian tube and two, to basically have me unpoisoned or get rid of the poisonous blood within me. So I was absolutely in excruciating pain and I was told I needed to go into surgery and that would be my moment of looking up and seeing Jimmy cry over the top of me just because of what had happened and that moment of me having to be rushed in on the basis that they were also trying now Mm. to save my life because I was being poisoned by my own blood and in that moment that I would say that was my come to God moment Ben I I was in excruciating pain I had all the morphine I could still feel all the pain and I said you know if if I could just get through this, because <laughs> I had our little boy waiting in, then little boy, Liam, waiting in the waiting room as well outside with his grandfather, then I would promise to step into my strength and spend every single day thereafter exhausting my strengths and my gifts and my capabilities. And and by God, I did get through that. And I, that's always, I would say that was my trigger moment wow as a mom wow that's amazing and here you are eight years later doing what you're gifted in and so let's go to that um your gift is speaking and coaching people how to speak and also you're a historian and so what else do you think, because um, those are the gifts I see in you. So what else do you think that you're gifted with? Yeah, I, I, I agree. My gift is my gift is spoken word. It's storytelling in a way that reaches people for impact. And I think that comes from my oral tradition. I think that comes from our oral culture and being able to listen to all those stories over time in order to get a message across and to transfer a message or knowledge for either impact, for influence, for persuasion. And so I did graduate those degrees, one in history, which was the passion, and another in law. And so the accumulation of those helps with both storytelling and the art of speaking or public speaking, but Ultimately, I think it comes from my culture mm-hmm. and just my passion for speaking and speech making and storytelling. And so, we, go ahead. We, we use the word storytelling, but it's it's not storytelling in the fable way. It's for impact. It's for knowledge transfer, for message transfer in a way that's memorable. And I would think that, or I'd like to think at least that, 
the message I always share is one of authenticity and transparency because that's probably been the essence of my success. So I first went back, I mentioned I was a teenage mum. My first paid client was a university and that was actually to go back and to tell young mums or aspiring graduates how they can overcome the, the struggles of balancing mum life, student life, study life in order to get to an end goal and so at first when I would go and have these conversations I'd be engaged to speak I would just dance around the edges and say oh you know I'd put my baby to sleep at 8 p.m and I'd study from 8 to 2 a.m and in order to spend some more quality time in the morning I'd get up and I'd, I'd prepare the things I needed to do early in the morning but I found that when I was most transparent, when I was really honest about the hardships and the lows and all of the lessons that I learned, then I really was able to cut through and actually help men and women. And all I could do was actually share my experiences and, and the stories that my experiences as a young mum and a mum trying to navigate <laughs> the balance of attaining these degrees and being a lawyer and being an entrepreneur with, with the added value of actually trying to help them get through that moment that they were trying to get through. Wow, that is absolutely amazing. So you've started this journey and now um, you coach people for TEDx, yes? Yeah, that's right. So I'm a speaker coach and I, I coach people on how to share their story with the world. And my signature message is exactly that, stand in your story. And my signature program is a base around that acronym of STAND. And I teach people, ultimately, it's about confidence in public speaking, but how to craft and share a story and a message that has impact and influence. And ultimately profit, if you're business-minded, to attract that profit by being having an intentional story vault and sharing that with impact with to call on your audience so to speak and more recently I've been involved as a TEDx speaker coach and I'm coaching at the moment there's a cohort of us coaching 12 speakers towards the TEDx stage uh, that's going to be in June the 22nd here in Toda. Oh, wow that sounds amazing are you excited Yes, absolutely excited. I absolutely love the ability to provide a person who has a message to give them some feedback and just, and it can be from anything from the message to delivery, from the way they stand, from the tone, the cadence they use, when to use that, when to effectively use pauses just to get the maximum impact. And everybody's different and everyone has a different message. And so that's the challenge that I love. I love to work with people and see their self-confidence grow over that process. So can't say enough about that. I'm really absolutely working in your gift. <laughs> Appreciate you. So what do you think your life would be like if you did not receive the gift of motherhood? possibly very selfish instead of selfless 
and I, I say that with the heavy heart, but I was so driven, you know, and this is, I, we talked a little bit about this even on the cruise and, bef- and before this time, I was so driven to rewrite the narrative or the history and the story of this country to give it a more coloured perspective and to bring back some of those stories and histories that had been for a long time silenced, including that of my own people. And without the children, without the why, without the having to think intergenerationally, there would have been some steps that I would take and would have taken <laughs> that were Stacy-driven. Right. <laughs> Stacy-driven and personally driven. But now that I have these children, I've got to think about how that, the decisions that I make, how that might impact on them. And not only in my lifetime, but beyond that legacy. So I love to, I'm definitely empowered to, and I love to assist my own people with the sharing of their stories. Because if they do that, and they have a message to share, and they're not sure how to mess, uh, to share that message or what forum to, then I know eventually that's going to change an intergenerational narrative of this country and of the world. So I'm really owe that to my children to have to think not just about myself and my decision making, but what might influence them. Wow. Yeah, because, you know, what we do, it carries on. And with you all having a strong oral history, um, you know, they're going to take that with them, you know, what mom and dad does. So that's amazing that that focus has turned totally towards them. Mm -hmm. Okay, last question. This is fun. I love it. I can't wait to uh, right. <laughs> I know you're gonna get your podcast started up after this. Huh? <laughs> I hear you. Okay. So, what is the greatest gift you want to give mothers that are going through what you've been through? The art of resilience. (laughs) You know, I think it's not, there's no one size fits all, mum, to making work life, wife life, wife to be life. Whether you're a single mum, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're in a new relationship, where there's just no one method to being a successful mum it's it's about trial and error it's about being resilient it's about testing the waters testing the boundaries getting back up it's about saying no early so if you have a why and you're doing too many things or you're not sure whether to do something and trying to think about what might benefit not only you but your family your children not just now but but further along the track, it takes some resilience because naturally you want to do all that you can. And sometimes in the moment, I think we can we can get caught up in trying to be 
the perception of what somebody else thinks is a successful mum and that may not work. So we were, I was a very broke young mum. We were incredibly on the skin, on on the, you know, literally the the skin of our bones uh, when I was a young mum and also when we had, when I was studying, I was also working part-time. There's this, perception that you have to have it all together and there are so many ways that you can get through if you've got this bigger why especially if your kids are involved you know or you're doing it for those kids that you can get very creative (laughs) so I think it it requires mums to have mums need to be resilient and you you're not born resilient I think you can acquire it over your lifetime and the things that you do the habits that you have and the habits that you adopt and being around other mums and strong mums or role models men and women nans aunties it's a collective effort and you don't have to think that you've got it all together if you're struggling with something ask ask Mm, early yes (laughs) I think sometimes put my personal view but I think sometimes our the facade that we've got it all together and that we're not willing to ask for help it's sometimes to our detriment so a lot of mums or young mums will come to me late and they will say I've been trying this for so long and it's not worked what can I do differently to acquire more health in my life more wealth in my life And if they had just asked earlier, and I take that same lesson from myself, not having asked earlier for help. Because if we don't ask, we don't get. And so quite often we keep all this bottled up and it doesn't serve us. It doesn't serve our personal health and well-being. It doesn't serve that of our kids. and And it certainly doesn't serve the potential of our relationship with God. So sometimes I think if we just get out of our own way... We can test and build resilience. Um, yeah, I could go on, but I, for me right now, it's a, it's just about being authentic, transparent, and resilient, and be able, being able to do that in a safe environment or around safe group of people who you trust and respect to be able to lean on in times of need. Yeah, that's amazing. A lot of women need to hear that. Um, they need to find their tribe. I, I tell women a lot to find, find your tribe, find a, a women yes. who um, can build you up and not tear you down and help you when you need it and give you advice and speak wisdom. I found a lot uh, um, by doing this podcast, a lot of women who are absolutely younger than me by 10 years, 15 years have a lot more wisdom and insight at being a mom and I've been a mom for 17 years and I have four children and three um, bonus children. And I'm like, they have so much more wisdom that I am learning a lot from everyone. Absolutely. Uh, so it, and on that token, you know, to, to extend that even more and probably where I'm getting to is be a lifelong learner as a mom, whether it's formal education or life education be a lifelong learner and as we've connected 
it's been in both of our journeys to being committed to being lifelong learners. And I know for myself, you know, I have a very small circle in terms of people that I really, really open up to and trust and will pour into, but I will travel to the ends of this earth to find like-minded men and women who will stretch my understanding and thinking and challenge that so that I can get different perspectives in order to be the best mum I can be and the best person I can be for my children. So definitely having, whether, whether that person you can learn from is 20 or whether they're 70, there's such a big spectrum and I think it's really important for mums to remain lifelong. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. It was so great talking to you. Uh, it's almost midnight here. I'm like, oh, I could keep talking to you forever. <laughs> Let's wind it up. I know. I know we're going to have to because um, it's dinner time for you now and it's time for me to go to bed. <laughs> well, Stacy, well, I appreciate you so much and I appreciate your time and you too having a, a message and a story for the world and the, whether it's coming through on this podcast or just the yes 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 and I really appreciate you giving me the time and telling your story it's going to bless uh, women all over the world I'm so grateful that you were able to um, um, just open this up for for me little me and and I thank God for you so I will talk to you soon. Take care. Thank you, Jax. You too. Take care. Hi, okay, I'll family. tell them. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for tuning into our program. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and leave us a comment. I can't wait to see you all next week on Mom Unfiltered.